Welcome to Disconnected Podcast, uh, the John Doe podcast series. And in this episode, we focus on activism. We're going to explore activism in the UK. We're going to address the importance of these scenes and how they benefit the community. And we're also going to look at the impact coronavirus has had on activism, young people, and the lasting effects on what they will be. Today, we have myself, Took. And we're going to be talking with a couple of people who have pushed forward innovation within activism. We're going to have a look at the impact of coronavirus and that's had on the activism scene and what we think is going to change in the up and coming new norm. Now, just to kick off, I'd like to ask uh, Antonia from Fill in the Blanks. Can you tell me uh, a bit more about yourself and also the charity you, you represent? Yeah, so my name is Antonia. I'm 18 years old and I'm one sixth of Fill in the Blanks, which is a student-led campaign I'm seeking to mandate the teaching of colonial history on the Key Stage 3 national curriculum. We started in August 2019 and launched an action in January and um, through BLM summer it's like skyrocketed, petitioned 200,000 signatures and yeah, we're moving on to our next phase. That's amazing. How does that feel? How does that feel? Because considering this was an idea a year ago, to look into where it's come now, what does that progression feel like? I'm so sorry. I have like gentrification going on in the background. So if like there's noise, like just bear with. Um, they tried to give me ice cream. Well, they did give me ice cream to like compensate for them building. But yeah, I still took it. But what? Sorry, ice cream um, is compensation. What is yeah, this? They gave, there was... Uh, ra- yeah, rum and raisin. It was good ice cream, but bad cone. So I, I don't, I don't tolerate that. But um, of course, like we're so like we never expected when we started this campaign in 2019 to like have so much support now. Um, but I guess we didn't really realize how even with as much support, um, the people that have the position to make the people in power that have the power to um, implement and make these changes, regardless of how much public support they don't want to listen. We didn't expect that. Wow, that's amazing. We're definitely going to dive into it a bit more in a moment. And it's moving on to you. Uh, Esther, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about IC3? So my name is Esther. I'm 19. I'm part of a activist group called IC3. And we're trying to end the criminalization of black and brown students in the education and criminal justice system. Um, we launched in August, so it will be, it's been a year since the campaign's been active. We've had two actions. We've had a bus stop poster action and we've had like a cage stunt. I um, saw that. I saw the bus stop one. It was cool. Yeah. It was a, it was crazy because like a special patrol group, they're like an activist group that like just basically take artwork activist artwork and put it everywhere right so wow. on the day of our actual action um the cage stunt we just saw like our twitter and our instagram was blowing up with these posters and i was like whoa this is like this is cool like do you know what i mean a lot of people um reacting to it and i think what we're trying to do because based off um our experience there's five of us and based off all of our experiences of internal exclusion we understand how it isolates a person and how it can basically demotivate them to come from school and you know what I mean so we really kids are supposed to be going to school for education like there shouldn't be mm-hmm. police presence in school 
And mm. I've been in school and there's police walking around. I'm just like, that was my experience it. too. This is not it. Like, we're not criminals. Like, do you understand? And even little things inside the school, like, um, especially internal exclusion, the way they would set up was like solitary confinement. Like, you would be blocked off from other people. You would have like a table that surrounds you. So you can't talk to other people. You couldn't go to the toilet at a certain time. You could, you could eat at a certain time. It was just really like, very like programming you to get ready for prison mm. type thing and we want to break that chain because i did enjoy like school but it was like combated with isolation so yeah and yeah, we're just really yeah. trying to work with the community and the schools that um we're with and we're um recently working with lambeth youth council and hopefully Amazing. we'll talk to a lot of schools in lambeth to change what's going on in those schools no, I think, I think, I mean, they're both incredibly interesting. I and mean, just thinking on the IT3 point, like looking back to when I was in school, it's strange that that kind of seclusion was normal. Like if you talk to friends who go to schools in different like European countries, the idea of putting a child in a room, locking them off from their friends is insane, but it, it's normal here. But anyway, I digress. We'll jump into the question. So the first question I have is that both, for both of you, what made you start up your organisations, your charities? Um, well, I'll speak a bit on me, but I'll talk about Antonia because I saw Antonia. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, um, my, um, both our campaigns were launched through um, the Advocacy Academy. Which what is, is that? Oh, it's sorry, an organisation. Oh, of course not, of course. It's an organisation um, for young people that want to get involved in social activism. And then last year, February, they came to my school and they gave an assembly and it was very like passionate. It was very like powerful. And it was like, so he wants to join. And I was known in my school for being a bit of a Malcolm X type person because my school didn't do black history month. So I'd always advocate for that. So everybody looked at me like, you best go for this. And I went, did the interview process, got in. And I remember the first day I saw Antonio, like at the same time, he was walking to get there. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. So like <laughs> that's how that's how I got started through advocacy, and that led to IC three. Yes, and Antonia for you. Yeah. So um, with advocacy, they like but the first question they ask you is what makes you angry in the assembly, in the interview, um, when you get there. Like that's just the main thing, and that is because like a lot of young people that like are on the receiving end of a lot of oppression do like bottle up with no avenue to like tackle it the result is um this Mm -hmm. pent-up anger so um with that question what makes you angry you like for me it was like this sense of disillusionment but um when I like digged in deeper I found that it was this absence and just awful teaching of colonial history um that really just I found shocking that was part of our education system so to give an example in year eight when I was taught about the British Empire my teacher gave us the map um you know the 25% um, British Empire covered the world biggest empire in the world and instead of like saying oh my god look at the violence that it took to conquer all these lands it was very much like isn't it amazing how you know an island as small as Britain could conquer 25% of the world and have the biggest empire and for a you know, a classroom in South London, like mainly like black and ethnic minority students with heritage from former British colonies, you know, sitting there and taking that in and thinking, well, 
yeah, should, should be part of the British Empire. You know, what impact does that have on like how we view, you know, our ancestors and and the people that were the victims of like violence under the British Empire? And wow. yeah, I, so yeah, I left I left that classroom proud of the British Empire, which is just mind boggling. You know, to live in a household with with um, two generations of people from Barbados, like it's crazy. So yeah, and it wasn't a, like a unique experience. It's something that was is common within members of fill in the blanks um, who all have heritage from former British colonies. And that's how we came together. And we we're all angry about that. And we created fill in the blanks. Now, the question that I, I have um, to someone who's a little bit older is like, you know, the things that you guys have done have sparked conversations within older generations. This allowed people who were older to almost reassess how they see the world and their reality. Is that something you guys have picked up on? That, and how do you feel about that if you have? Do you feel a bit of like you've been let down by generations before you? Or what is your position on the good work that you guys are doing and potentially what hasn't been done prior to you guys doing it? I would say like from an IC3 point of view, we've allowed um, the older generation to understand, but um, to understand the trauma that they face as well going through this. Because um, I know a couple of uncles and aunties that when they went to school, it was kind of the same thing, but it was a bit worse because you could get beat at school, innit? So yeah. But um, I think it was a I challenge. It was more challenging because so like Antonio was saying, you have to like when you go to advocacy, you have to write like a two hundred words of why you're angry or something like that. And like my one was just mad. Like it was mad. Like I was black woman, I was queer, I was Muslim at the time. So it was like I'm angry at everything. And I think when we had our graduation process, or like as soon as I stepped into advocacy, the whole six months until I graduated, I was able to like challenge like older people in my community, like whether it was queerness or combating it or making them understand um how patriarchy works or how white supremacy works or or like racism or police brutality and how because as their generation because so I'm half Nigerian half Jamaican so on my mum's side my granddad came during the wind rush so his whole mindset was you have to find a job and do this mm-hmm. and you have to move on you have to move on but when you move on and don't address that trauma and don't address the wrongs that were done to you it gets passed down and I think a lot of things with young black people is it's a lot of compliance we're taught you have to just comply you just have to agree with it like you just have to sit there and take it yeah but i feel like with advocacy it gives you the information context knowledge and the right words to combat that with your older generation and talk to them i feel like a lot of the older generation i talk to you now have changed their perceptions on a lot of things so yeah it's really good that was beautifully said first off um and anything to add there Antonia? yeah um i would say in the context of like fill in the blanks um and like the generations that have gone before us i would say we very much stand on the shoulders of those who came before us so um like we could not be where we are today without the amazing work of the running me trust which we are always like we always use their reports their um like they're just amazing and the fact that they have been like they them like championing um empire migration and having all this evidence and the government still not listening 
has I think that that them them facing this obstacle before us and then us hitting the obstacle now has made us realize maybe we need to like think of this in a very long game with we're saying 10 years now um and also widening it up so including changing hearts and mind with the public um running events like i don't know glastonbury but smaller <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> um but yeah we're just we're taking a much more holistic approach and not just the let's go to the people in power because we need to take it way way back now because yeah it's, it's a very long road ahead no it's amazing i mean one of the things that i really appreciate from what you guys do is that from when i was younger the thing i always hear it's a system system the system but you guys are finding ways to tackle and question that and find a way to circumvent that which i think is just incredibly powerful man so i guess you, you guys have kind of answered some of this but the next one is how has the local community reacted to what you're doing um community wow that's a I was, if we're talking about local community, um, a lot of people in the state I live in don't even know the work I do, right? But, um, the people in general, because in Brixton is where we did our, as we did their actions. So the reaction and the response, people walking past, picking up leaflets, asking questions, what's going on? How can we get involved? And seeing people retweet and post it and share it was just like, wow, like people actually care about this and, just to touch on what you said about the system, there was a, I can't remember what song it was, there was a lyric where it was like, to beat the system, you have to understand it first, right? You can't just go and like, go for the system because it's what we all know is wrong, right? But you have mm. to, like Antonio say, change the hearts and mind of people, the local people and the mass population because we can organise people, be like, I don't have a lot of money, like, I'm not going to lie, innit? But I can organise my people and if you show a hundred, like, for example, with BLM protests, like, at, at the first one, kid you not, there was over, like, 60,000, 70,000 people there. And if people show up for these things, change will get done. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's it's important to get your local community to be involved in your, in your actions and things you're doing, because if, essentially, those are the people it's going to affect. And if they don't agree on it, then there needs to be a conversation about how we can make it... Um, adaptable for everybody to just like be on the same page and then that change comes so yeah the the response from the community was amazing especially from the activist community and just to add like on the side of, for us um i would say those that's that petition um teach our like britain's colonial past um and history of slavery getting like two hundred thousand plus signatures like so quickly has been was amazing and like that one petition has meant that it's been debated in parliament um yeah and then we've seen like the the, the government have had to say what their stance on it and like so i think kemi badenoch the current women's and equalities minister saying that she stands unequivocally against critical race theory and how we shouldn't teach um we shouldn't teach about white privilege or um and and how that conversation of that petition has gone into that um and how we we shouldn't like it, we shouldn't feel bad about teaching the history of these islands. I think it really illustrates how this government views like the, the history of the British Empire and also Black history. Um, and I think that is a really um, invaluable insight because you need to, as Esther said, understand the system and therefore understand the people that are working within it because 
with um, the curriculum, it hasn't always been this way. It's actually been broader in the past. Um, but with Michael Gove's reforms, which were around um, like basically creating this island story narrative, which is very much focused on, which is very this, this very narrow view of um, Britain, um, which is it happens to be very um, focused on white people. Um, so yeah, I think understanding who we're um, the people in power and who we're dealing with is invaluable. And then from that, um, there's there's now, now further discussions um, to really unpick what they're saying so we can therefore go and go step forward. Loving this, by the way, just on a personal level, I'm sure everyone who listens to it will feel the same. My next question is, and it's a bit of a difficult one in my opinion, who would you say is somebody who would be showing good allyship? But what, what actions would they do to show that they are good ally to the cause. Does that make sense? Is that clear? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Cool. I think for IT3, um, anybody who's like non-black and non-brown, um, because we had like um, leaflets basically describing what you could do if you witness a stop and search or, um, you know, you're on the street and like, there's a lot of police presence in an area that you think have a lot of black people in it. And I think um, what makes a good ally is somebody who doesn't do all the talking, like it's wrong, it's wrong. They actually go out and make that change. So if, if, if for example, if I was to get a stop and search right now and Antonio was a white person and she was like, hmm, this is wrong. I'm going to go. I'm telling you, I'm sorry to use you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. Okay. I, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. If me, Esther, was getting stopped in search and an old white lady, middle-aged white lady walked past and thought, rah, this is mad. Let me record it. Let me ask if, first of all, if the person, if I'm okay, if I had permission to record what's going on, some search. And because I've been, I've seen like younger kids, like probably like 10 be stopped in search. I'm just like, let me stand here and watch them and see if they're doing okay type thing. And I think, um, trying to give um, um, students the space. So I feel like a lot of head teachers in, in the UK are white. So I think if they um, sat down with kids that um, were in these inclu- inclusion units, exclusion units, sorry, and talk to them and be like, what, what, how can we help? How can we make this better? Because clearly, you know, it's either you're coming back here or you're when you're in here, you're not following rules. Like, how can we best accommodate you? Do you know what I mean? And obviously discipline you correctly if you've done something wrong, but how can we make sure that you don't feel left out? Do you know what I mean? So I think that's what allies can do. And, stuff. and in general, like, because as a black woman, there's a lot of things that non-black women can do, right? They can challenge different perceptions in their workplace. They can sign, make petitions. They can inform other white people about... um languages to use and, and certain things to do in the community and educate themselves because to be honest right that like there's not going to be i feel like with our generation we we understand the complexity of having a white savior and how that's very like in, in all honesty we understand like they really want to help but like we have to put ourselves at the forefront of like the movement that's going to change us so having the door just went, but you know what I'm trying to say in it. Like, we need to make sure that um, allies are educating themselves because it's not our job to. We've got, Amen. we've got, we've got to work our stuff out together as black people. 
as um, people of colour together. We ain't got time to educate. In the words of Rene Adolodge, man, we're no longer talking to white people about race. That was, that was fantastic. And anything to add there, Antonia? Yeah, on the topic of education, um, I think what makes a good ally is someone who doesn't just like go through social media like a post to make to so it appears that they're you know you know following this and they support this cause or they like these organizations because people tell them to but don't actually like really care what the organization is doing um and, and on top of that like they don't, they don't just educate themselves to better themselves they realize that through education they're you know improving society like obviously good education like for example knowing the violence that underpinned the British Empire but then with that knowledge further supporting these campaigns and organizations that are trying to ensure that every student in this country learns that history because it can't just stop with you as an individual oh I've learned it so it's fine if you through you learning about it that's yeah that's some change but we need a complete change and that start and a, and a good way to start with that is is the national curriculum and our, what our kids are learning and do you think there has been like a uh, a reaction to what you guys have created positive or negative from both the community and media as a whole um on a whole like it's been very good reactions very um loving caring reactions seeing people actually be like wow this is this is mad like i didn't even know this was going on we had a couple of people in the comments saw it like in our pictures this like it, it's not only affecting black people da, 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 da. and i'm just like cause at the time at the time we got um a lot of press coverage it was literally when we did our cage stunt but obviously the poster thing was going off as well so our following was going up going up going up and we were seeing the comments there and literally after we just did the action of it's not only black people da, 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 and you people with your race thing and seeing that as a fight. You obviously want to get mad, you want to get angry, but you have to understand that there's ignorance, right? The way white supremacy works is that you have people that are no knowingly know how the system works and choose to continue in that path. You have people that are affected by it and they're just people that they have been raised in it they're so it's in their subconscious they don't know any other way right so you don't want to and plus we have to represent the campaign we just can't be out here like what like what meet me around the corner da, 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 da. we can't do all of that we have to take a more um a calmer approach so the way we approach comments like that is like factual base having statistics and showing them this is that this is that he go and like whether you like it or not it's the truth do you understand so but on a, on a whole, it's been very good, very good reactions. Um, so, yeah, we've had um, positive uh, reaction, a lot of support from the public. Um, but with that has come more negative attention. Um, so I think the first our first confrontation with it was when we had our Guardian our, our article on The Observer. And there was like um, people obviously talking about how, no, the empire was mutually beneficial, trains. Um, with no, you know, context of w- w- who were those trains, who were they for? What, you know, Same. what resources were they extracting and for who? But anyways, I digress. Um, and I would say the other opposition we've like faced now is like 
it's not directed at us, but it is very much in our like um, in our sphere. Um, so obviously, with the um, toppling of Edward Col- Edward Colson's statue, and then like um, and then and then for some reason, like the call to um, teach about Britain's colonial past went into this cultural war of you want to rewrite history. And if anything, that is completely what we're against. Like, we want to tell the, the true story of history. Like, you guys are the ones who've been rewriting it. Like, um, yeah, so th- there was there's this common sense group that they call themselves of 59 conservative MPs and seven peers. Um, and they've, yeah, they've created this coalition against people like us who are trying to teach this history and they say that they are against the um they say the history must neither be sanitized nor rewritten to suit snowflake preoccupation they actually wrote snowflake preoccupation yeah this is an open letter in the telegraph and yeah they said they formed to speak for the silent majority of voters and yep um a clique of powerful privileged liberals must not must not be allowed to rewrite our history in their Sounds very dog whistly to me. It, no, it's full of dog whistles. They even said woke agenda and cultural Marxist dogma. So, I mean, you know, how does it feel at, at 19 to have people who were in Parliament trying to come at what you're saying? Because that is it's quite an unusual situation. Do you know what, Antonia, this is your question, yeah, but babe, please let me hop on this quickly, yeah. Because what she just said, yeah, like, that just, it makes me mad, but it also makes me look at the world and be like, this is exactly why you lot need to be doing what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. like when I saw Phil and the Blanks doing their thing, I was like, yes, get in the newspaper, get on these articles, because trust me, like, there's people that are just so like they care about statues more than they care about human beings. Like I watched Small Acts the other day. Um, Mongo. Oh no, spoilers! I haven't seen it yet. Seen Never it. seen it. Okay, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But like watching that and like it's fact. Spoil it. Like it's literally happened. No, but Sorry, literally, like it's it's about a shop that was being raided by police, racist police, right? In the 70s, if I'm corrected, right? Correct. And it was, it, they obviously, everybody got off not guilty, which was very amazing at the time. And it was the first case to open a discussion about, um, racial abuse in the police system. But it's mad. That's part of our history. And I didn't know that story until this came out. Do you get what I'm saying? And there's a thing of, um, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, black supremacists around spreading all of this like if we like learn ourselves then we can know so which makes sense to a little bit of extent like the thing with Malcolm X what the reason why he's my I don't want to say idol he's my hero because he was like listen if people were telling you you were slaves you was this you was that you was this or saying how it was good for you like manifest destiny you will believe it and you will continue to believe that your children and your grandchildren but the minute like a campaign like Vanilla Blanks comes in and says, you know what, let's challenge this perception, let's tell the truth because we know the truth, right? It's ma- I'm so sorry, Anthony, ask the question. This, that just made me mad. That made <laughs> no, me it's a great, mad. No, it's a great intro. And also, like, that that show and that series is important. The small act series is important. Important. Listen, watch it, and there's a new episode coming this Sunday. Yeah. So, <laughs> how, 
how does it feel to yeah be faced with this I guess so like this cultural war that we're like coming with I think yeah of course on the like surface of you like why why are people like making it something that is not like why people this is such a reasonable ask we actually agree with you yeah we don't believe it believe that history should be sanitized so yeah teach empire in its fullness with the truth of the violence that underpinned it um so i guess what is the thing that i didn't like know with the culture war is that i guess okay with the culture war the kind of half glass full way of looking at it is that a culture war is not created if you're not seen as a threat. So I suppose teaching the full, like teaching the history of the British Empire is, or and teaching black history is not something that you can say, that you can undermine and without criticism. It's quite a reasonable ask, like especially teaching black history and teach, like and teaching empire one, because the history of empire is, such an integral part of British history to really understand how Britain became to be this country and how other countries in the world view Britain, um, especially its former colonies, and to really understand that relationship, that power imbalance. Um, and then with black history, how can you not teach the history of 28% of, you know, the students in this country? Like, so, yeah, I think it indicates that we are, they see the, the increasing support that we've, receiving and the fact that there is a public like sympathy with our cause um and that's why they're trying to pick it apart and piggyback onto the idea that we are this like snowflake generation that actually want to sanitize history which is the complete like just misunderstanding of what it is when in turn they are the ones who are trying to keep this um you know rose tinted depiction of British history um and yeah I think it, cultural war is we're being seen as a threat and that means that you know 10 years later down the line this could the history of the British empire and black history could actually be a part of the national curriculum um this one's for for you Antonia so how did you end up on the um Ed Miliband's podcast and how did you end up getting talking to him and spreading your message there? I love this story. Um, so on our action in January, we were distributing our 5,000 spoof Metro and New Standard newspapers with the headline Boris Back's Empire Education. Um, so that, that basically that story saying that, you know, yeah, the history of empire is a mandatory part of the national curriculum. It's coming 2021, which is obviously not true. Um, and so we were distributing that across London um, tube stations. And one of the tube stations was Westminster. And um, one of our members, Nico, was there. And they saw Ed Miliband and were like, no, that's, that's Ed Miliband. Should we like go give it to him? And he did. And then they gave him a newspaper. And yeah, and then it, from that went to the, like they invited us to go on the Reasons to be Cheerful podcast. Um, in which our um, member Rochelle spoke on and who was a fan of the podcast like from day so like yeah crazy that's crazy and and have you seen anything change from that moment was there any like reaction to it I suppose like I don't know about the reaction from the podcast but I guess it's like to me the reasons to be cheerful I don't it, it seems to like to be 
like a teacher podcast I don't know why but my teacher when I was like um we were like in the beginning stages of our campaign she was like oh you should watch reasons to be cheerful they have a episode on um empire um with uh, professor Goodman the Bramber on it and then who would know like a couple months down the line we would be on it so yeah kind of wild and then a question for you Esther um how did your uh stunt in Brixton come about how, how did that all kick off um wow first of all shout out to you lot yeah car. that was my story like because we were all in different locations so then we got back to the campus it was like we were like what you got the hooker so yeah man shout out to you lot but um with ic3 like it was um so we had every, every other friday at advocacy we would have um campaign coach sessions um and like we're thinking raw we've like we've got to think of action that's going to grab people like and it needs to relate to what we're doing so I was there like hmm what was if we just put like chairs and tables in the middle of the road and put a cage around it and then um one of my we had three campaign coaches so one of the campaign coaches was Kelsey um he's an, um a very like she loves abolition of like prisons and everything so she's very radical and stuff like that she was like that's a great idea and we're going to do it so I was trying to find materials to get this cage. I was thinking we can't get metal because it's too heavy. Let's try and get wood. So I was trying to get in contact with like people that could build things. I was trying to find out where I was going to get the table and chairs from. I was going to get the police tape. Just thinking about different things. Like it needs to be a replica of an internal exclusion unit. So I'm going to need like security guards. I'm going to need, and it was a mixture of crews as well. Uh, people referring units that have like security guards and stuff like that. So I need to think of teachers, I need students, I need security guards. So me, another person was a security guard. I had a couple of teachers, I had a couple of students sitting in the chair. And at first we was outside, you know, in Brixton, the Ritzy, literally that platform yeah, was well. outside yeah. there. And we wasn't getting any attention, any traction. So Amelia, who's the CEO of advocacy, was like, she's American, so I'm going to do her accent. Yeah? Guys. Are you ready for the cars? Are you down for the cars? And was like, Energy. yeah, she's like, we're going outside the tube station. Let's go. And we were like, okay, let's go. So literally, like, we carried everything down there. We put it in and we set up. And that was the best idea ever. Literally, like, we did it. We were shouting on the streets. People were looking. Because, you know, in Brixton, there's always stuff going on in Brixton. Mm-hmm. But at least I feel like people just looked and saw the police tape and was like, why go in here? And we had um, Shawnee in our group, IC3. She was reading out personal experiences. She was reading out statistics. I was patrolling as a security guard and stuff like that, while um, everybody else was helping hand out leaflets and take pictures and stuff like that. And I think looking on it now, like I think because it was a physical action that people could see and they could understand it, they had been through that or they know someone that been through that, they connected it to it personally. So they felt right this needs to be shared and that's how it kind of started so yeah that's amazing though that's amazing i mean what does it feel like to and let me just try and rephrase this question so it sounds a bit less fanboyish but what does it feel like to do something that makes such a big stage at so early in your journey do you know what i mean because you guys are, are doing things that are making people across the country and the world talk about different ways of approaching social change. So where do you guys see, how do you guys see carrying on the baton from here? Yeah, so the next 
stage for fill in the blanks is to um, utilize all this support um, and create a national coalition. So like from academics, teachers, um, schools, students, um, activists, organizations, think tanks, charities, anyone who is interested, politicians, of course. So yeah, that's that's our next phase to um, to give to 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 build our network, as Esther was saying, to build our power, which is organi- organizing our people. So that's the next stage, big part of it. Um, I think for IC three, um, you know, on the day of the action, literally after like the amount of followers that we because we weren't used to like that much like people just like in that vicinity in that amount of number and I think it felt like we actually did this like because sometimes when you're in activism you can lose hope along the way like just this is never gonna happen man this like this is long like let me just you know what I mean but I think because we kept hope and and we used every bit of passion and energy inside of us to make sure this campaign came off well to see people like in Birmingham like or Manchester was it Manchester I went to Manchester to do a talk and there was kids of colour there as another organisation and like oh, wait wait you've got to speak on that talk just just for the people if you can oh, the, oh so basically um I'll remember a little backstory of how I got involved so I was at advocacy on the abolitionist movement um for prison reforms and stuff and I've met this this woman from no more and more no more exclusions and I mean and she's such a nice lady and we're talking so we exchange numbers and stuff like that and then one one day she was like Esther, I know this is a bit last minute, but like, basically, I'm going to Birmingham to represent, I'm oh, sorry, to Manchester to represent Enemy. Um, and like, somebody who was supposed to come and talk with us has cancelled last minute and the ticket's still there and you might get paid. So, do you want to come and represent IC3? And I was like, let me ask my mom if we can go because it was going to miss a school day, but I missed a school day. And she said, it's fine. So I went up there. Um, there was kids of colour, no more exclusions. I was representing IC3 and there was a couple of, um, I think it was two girls that had been through internal exclusion. They were just talking about their story and went up there. There was a lot of people there because they're like on a board, a committee board and stuff. So they wanted to get that personal experience and, and, and just like opinions from people that are starting these campaigns. So doing that and those people being like, oh yeah, I've seen your work. Like every now and again, like if I talk to an activist, but oh yeah like I've seen your work like that was great and I'm just like oh my days like this is this is cool but I think right now what we're trying to do um is focus more so because our campaign is to tackle education and criminal justice but I think we're starting with educational because the school to prison pipeline it starts at education right Mm -hmm. so we're working with Lambeth trying to basically um basically like what Antonio said, get our following and push them to sign petitions and do things. And with IC3 now, working with Lambeth Council, we're just basically trying to get into a lot of schools in Lambeth and give them like packet packs of what they can do to um, teach children about their rights. Because a lot of kids that get stuff searched don't know about their rights. So just to educate people. So that's in the national curriculum. And then I think after that, we can target other schools um, are predominantly black but they're not in south london so yeah that's what we're doing now here's one question that that i have and and i feel like there's always a bit of interesting relationship between 
particularly activism and brands and how often they can jar quite a lot, you know. Famous example that comes to my mind is Colin Kaepernick and Nike just do it and the strange things that happen with, with that and their inaction and inability to speak up during the NFL situation, but how they're piggybacking on the tail end. So for any brands listening out there, what are the best ways that they can support you guys and how can they be allies, not just people taken from the culture? Um, it's a really interesting question. And I would say, because it's in my mind, you know the Sainsbury's advert that has yeah. um, about a black family and um, and it's really shine a, sh- like shine the light on the racism in this country because why is a you know a, an advert Christmas advert about a really like a black family? What, what why is that such a outrageous thing? And people saying they can't relate to it. Um, and I think with that Sainsbury's should you know come out and make a statement like say we like this say what it is this really we didn't expect for this to have to have a backlash and we're you know actually appalled and don't come to our shops if you have that attitude and I think that like for a brand to like come out and 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 not just like have the advert in the first place but then like see the backlash and obviously I know they see it so they need to come out in support um, and and show they they don't stand for it. I feel like the thing with brands is like, so I went to a lot of BLM protests, right? And I saw a lot of places just like, you know, when it's Pride Month, they just put the flag Mm. up for the month and then take it down. The same thing with BLM. There was a lot of, I won't name them brands, um, but a lot of them did performative activism. Like, yeah, we're here for it and da 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 da. But like, in all reality, you're just hopping on it to make it look like you care when you don't. But I feel like, especially a lot of sportswear um, places that a lot of young, a lot of young black people shop at, a mm. lot, and not even just but a lot of young people shop at. Period. A lot of queer people, a lot of this people, a lot of that people shop at. And if the places you go to and spend your money investing can't simply, like Antonio said, like make a statement, and be like, yo, this is like this is unacceptable behavior like if you don't like it go find somewhere else to shop i think they need to understand especially when they're working with like youth um organizations and um campaigns is to understand that just because we're young doesn't mean we're stupid like we mm. understand like if you're trying to like fuck us around basically mess us around we're gonna know and we're not gonna take that because there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of people that have approached ic free but because of what we stand for we said no like this is this is performative activism if there's going to be a clear structured plan for like a year or a month or or things right. that are actually going to progressively right. do i don't want to hear about it period because like for example let's say now like um uh, um goes to ice cream like listen right, we like what we're doing duh, 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 duh. we want to collab we want to um collab with you on activism. i'll be like well one thing we can do is try and get some young black artists um design makers that are and maybe they can put a collection line together and all the money proceedings or some of it goes to educating that that's a different type of thing opportunities opportunities you know what i'm saying it's different than coming to actually go listen we we've got a new line coming out if you just model it and it's just like that sounds so great (laughs) but i would listen i can't lie to you i can't hear this but i'm telling you had a big reaction to that statement 
No, but imagine though, like imagine if like Nike came to Villain the Bass, like, listen, do you know what? Yeah, like we just love you as activists. Can you model? It's like, yeah. You're asking you shouldn't ask me from an activist point of view. You should have asked me from me point of view, do you want to model for me? Type thing. If you're gonna have a plan to actually change people and educate them, I'm there for it. If not, there better be bare zeros on the end of that. I'm joking, no, I'm joking. <laughs> So it's got to be a long-term, a long-term plan. It can't just be a stunt campaign. It can't just be people like on bikes running around the storms or whatever saying how great X brand is. You've got to be an actual ally. Um, I think the worst um, in, like inquiry we got from a brand was, can you model our new line of bikinis? Yeah. I don't, you tell me the, the relevance to, to our campaign with bikinis. And we're students. I just, that was the worst. So, yeah, that's, um, that we really get that. So, yeah. A whole bikini? Bikini line, yes. Damn, they were desperate. Okay, so definitely don't come to activist brands or don't come to activist groups with offerings of bikini sponsorships because that's not the one, quite simply. Um, okay, so we're going to have to wrap up because I think I'm literally running up now. But So I'm going to start off with you, Esther. If you could just uh, shout out uh, IC3, out, shout out the handles and anything that you've got coming up soon, that'd be great as well. Yes, so shout out to IC3. Our Instagram and our Twitter is at IC3UK. Make sure you follow us. We've got a lot of things coming. Look on our posts, educate yourself, share it with people. And yeah, just wait for the things we're going to do. Can't really talk on it because it's a bit top secret, but just know we're working in the local community. And yeah. Amazing. Love it. Love it. And then again, for you, Antonio, can you uh, just go in there and shout out something, something to fill in the blank and uh, the handles and what's coming up next? Yeah. So fill in the blanks, you can follow us on Instagram at fill in the blanks UK and then on Twitter, fill in the blanks, um, but without the E in the the. We couldn't have the handles were all taken. Um, and what's next? So, okay, and if you want to be an ally, so sign a petition it's on our Instagram, and we have lots of links and resources on there. Um, and yeah, the main thing is to follow us on social media so you're like up to date with when we're doing our national, when we're starting our national coalition, so you can join and um, all templates for your schools, teachers, um, and most importantly, MPs. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, wait, so, shout out. Sorry to cut you. Shout out the Advocacy Academy. Follow them on yeah. Instagram and Twitter at the Advocacy the Advocacy Academy. There you go. English is free. Thank you. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm just going to have to say um, that's it for this week. We're going to focus on film and literature for the next episode and the effects of the virus coronavirus on that and creativity uh just subscribe and share if you like it um give it a five star if you're into it all of our previous episodes are available and the visuals uh, will be available to you on our ig channel with links up to the podcast itself 